Our industry can bring so much to the marketplace and is so effective in communicating these things. It's what we do really well in the promotional products industry. And I think it's time for our industry to step up a little bit more and take a little more aggressive position in corporate governance and social responsibility. Bob tried to find something to kind of make fun of me and it was my driving. Yeah, I was just gonna bring that up. <laughs> That's the worst that somebody says about me is like, he's a horrible driver, which I am. Yeah. I'm not good at it and I don't enjoy it. I'm okay with that. That's a pretty good relationship when that's the worst thing you can come up with. Welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. Me, Kate Plummer, and my co-chair, Johanna Gottlieb, are sitting here today with Paul Valentone and Bob McLean from PPAI. And so we interviewed Paul earlier this or last year because time has no more meaning about his role in stepping down. And with Bob here, we're here to talk about transition and what the future looks like, because if anyone can guess, we're going to put that pressure on Paul right now. So welcome, Bob and Paul. Hi, it's good to be here with you both. Yeah, thank you for having us. Our pleasure. PPI has always been an amazing supporter of Promo Kitchen. And it's been a very interesting time, I think, for everyone, because transition and pivoting and all these fun buzzwords that have marked the year of 2020 and 2021 now. And so we kind of wanted to dig in and what this means in bigger picture for you. But we'll start with the small. So Paul, imagine since you said you were leaving, everyone jumped in, you said the words of praise were a little too much for you. And knowing how you are, I imagine it is. And time has gone pretty quickly here. So how are the final weeks of being at PPI feeling for you? It's been terrific, Kate. It's been incredibly rewarding. Just last week, the staff did a little kind of virtual luncheon where we all got to thank each other for, you know, the support that we gave each other over the past decade, you know, 20 years at the association, 11 or 12 years as CEO. It's been a little bit trippy. I think it would be trippy in normal times, in pre-pandemic times. And then to have it just kind of overlaid with a pandemic and you're really not seeing people personally. And somebody said, are you taking a victory lap? And it's, well, it's hard to take a victory lap in your living room. It's a little bit tight, but it's been very rewarding to have the feedback that I've gotten from people about the work that I've done for the association over the past years. Amazing. Yeah. It would be kind of strange too, because now instead of having your final expo or you know those going away lunches or your final trade show you don't have those cuz they've all gone virtual now have you found the emotions with that a little bit different or more charged or you know you've never experienced this before so how do you quantify that well it's actually two things kate on one side of it there's how would i have done this differently had I known that I was going to make this decision? What would I have done differently at that past expo? What would I have done differently at that past NALC or other function? Would I have said something different? Or would I have looked at the room differently or tried to absorb the experience differently? On the other hand, I am so incredibly proud of the work that the team has done to move us from those physical events to a virtual event. I don't know that a year ago, 
which really was the start of the pandemic in March of 2020, when it really impacted our industry the most, that I would have had the confidence to say, yes, we will pull off an incredibly successful expo direct to you, or we will have our women's leadership conference virtually or a responsibility summit or be able to do our advocacy work. So on one sense, it's maybe I missed the opportunity to experience the live events in a way that I would have. But on the other hand, the fact that we've been able to overuse word pivot and have these virtual events, I think has really been a testament to the organization. I agree. As a distributor, it has been a big testament to the organization, to distributors, suppliers, service providers. And I continue to say the whole virtual world has really opened up a lot of opportunities for clients for when things go back to normal one day. I think there's a big opportunity in virtual events that we were just missing. And so I agree. I think trying to look at the silver lining of all of this is perfect. Sure. And sort of shifting gears and getting a little personal here, because I know everyone listening wants to get personal with you guys. I've heard that music means a lot to you, Paul. Besides your first concert, what's the best next thing you're looking for? Like, what's the next big thing you want to attend? What do you want to do? Oh, boy. What's important to you? What's important besides music? And what charities do you care about? Well, on the music side, I look forward to that first festival where, you know, you get to be in the crowd, experience that shared joy. I mean, I've certainly been listening to as much music as I ever have. I've certainly been playing as much music as I ever have. I've had the free time to do that. There's a shared experience from around music that I think is lacking right now. It's just not having it in that group setting in the festival. I know, you know, whether it's Danny Rosen's festival that he runs, I know the industry's talking about getting involved in that one again. I think it's the shared experience of the music to not just listen to classical music, but to go to the symphony and not just you know, listen to music, go to a concert. Interesting about social things or charitable things I'd like to get involved in again. So we actually just talked about this Friday on a call that we did with staff. We do a lot of work with Irving Cares, which is a local organization that helps feed and train the needy in the Irving area where we're headquartered as an organization. You know, and their whole concept is we give you a hand up, not a handout, and there's a lot of training programs with it. In addition to being a food bank, I'm looking for my next cause that I can get involved in maybe a little bit more personally and not necessarily through PPAI or through a larger organization. And I mentioned that on the call on Friday, like what's going to be my next philanthropic venture? And I've said it before on these podcasts. Eventually, I would like to start a foundation that puts pianos in nursing homes. That's always been something that I've talked about doing, taking both the musical side of my life and then the charitable side, the philanthropic side of it. And I think that every nursing home in the world should have a piano in it so people like me or people who are inclined can go in there and just play and have people enjoy that. That's beautiful. I used to work at a nursing home. Fun fact, I was a receptionist. Uh, so that would be wonderful. I can imagine that would make a lot of people smile. Yeah. Bob, since Paul was always a mystery in our industry, and now we're learning a little bit about the other side of him, why don't you share a little bit about some of your passion projects and hobbies? Well, so, you know, besides 
TPAI, which has been a passion of mine since I've joined, I've kind of gathered up a new hobby this year. Since we're staying home so much, I've got into grilling and smoking meats and vegetables and stuff like that, which I didn't do before. And it's been a lot of fun to learn how to smoke a brisket for 16 hours or do a pork butt or something like that. So that's been kind of fun. What I really miss though, it's similar to what Paul's talking about is I miss getting out into the world. My wife and I like to travel and hike and go out and visit places and people. And we really missed that opportunity to do that this year. You know, So we've both been working from home and a little bit from our offices. So those are the kind of things that we miss is just kind of getting out and about, getting out with people, just getting out, going to a movie theater, something like that. So those are the things that I really miss and I'm looking forward to as we start to move closer to what normal used to be being able to take advantage of those things again. That's fantastic. You're going to have to talk to one of our chefs, Russell Bird, because he's quite into barbecuing. And you and I should talk because I've got a jalapeno recipe on the smoker. That's amazing. So. Oh, that sounds great. I'm still <laughs> learning how to do some of this stuff. So I'm excited. <laughs> I think it's one of the great things about smoking is you could just throw anything on and it all tastes good. To me, that's the phenomenal amount of time it takes to do that. It's like, you know, you put the piece of meat on before you go to bed and you get up at like three in the morning to check it and <laughs> flip it or wrap it. And then you get up in the morning and you still got eight more hours to go before it's done. So yeah. it's been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Becomes a new lifestyle there. <laughs> it is. But if we're not traveling, we're not going anywhere. Why not? Right? <laughs> exactly. What else are you doing with your time? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, I love that. So we'll get into the business side of things now. So what is your goal with this transition? How is it going for you moving from Paul, who's really established, to Bob, like you are quite established in this industry, but even just the handover, how is that going for you? Well, so first, Paul has left this organization in just an amazingly solid position to move forward. So from a transition and a moving forward perspective, you know, we've got a solid financial footing. We've got an outstanding staff and a great board that supports not just Paul, but me and Alan, our VP of business development and the rest of the staff. So it's not a challenge. It's not like things are really struggling and Paul left because we were really struggling or, you know, he left for reasons that, you know, set us up so that it looked like we were struggling. We're not struggling. We are in a great position. And so I'm just so lucky to be able to step into this role in an interim basis for now. And who knows what'll happen going forward. The company's in good stead, and I thank Paul for that, and we're going to miss him for that. So for me, you know, kind of like my 60-90 day plan is we need to prepare ourselves and be poised to move out of the pandemic and come back into the marketplace in a thoughtful and safe way. So, you know, we're really looking forward to, you know, things turning to normal. We've got our calendar scheduled now for 2021, and we weren't really sure what that was going to look like when this year started. We had just an amazing direct to you, as Paul mentioned, our virtual trade show was successful beyond what we expected it to be. And now we're looking forward to when we can get back together with our members and with the industry and North American leadership is kind of what we're hoping will be our first personal face-to-face get together in the late fall. And then our big industry reunion for the PPI Expo in January, 2022. We're really looking forward to that. We hope that it'll happen. We have our fingers crossed. All signs indicate that we'll be able to do that. And we're looking forward to it. We will be there 
with open arms, although we won't be able to hug you, but we'll be there ready for you to join us. That's great. So I love the hope in your voice. And I do hear hope with a lot of suppliers and distributors and service providers right now. Again, I think there is a lot of opportunity. And as vaccines roll out, I think people are feeling a little bit hopeful more professionally and personally. So aside from things going back to normal and actual events happening, what opportunities do you see in this association and industry? Do you see things that could happen in the next couple of years that just haven't happened yet? Well, sure. I think this is a great opportunity for us to sit back and revisit all the things that we do within the association. I'm sure you've heard it said before, never waste a good crisis or a good recession or any of those things. So, you know, we've already started to take a good hard look at the programs and services that we offer to our members. We've kept the ones that seem to be the most utilized, the most valuable by our members. And we'll start to wean off of some of the ones that aren't used as much as you would think they would be. Paul has always said, and you know, he's been my mentor and I've been learning from him, but you know, associations are really good at adapting new programs, not very good at stopping them. And over the last 12 months with Paul's leadership, there's been several things that we've stopped doing here at the association because our members just didn't resonate with them. And there was very few members that were taking advantage of it. Or when we did our surveys, they indicated that it wasn't really that important to them. So You know, I think it gives us an opportunity now as we start to come out of the pandemic, like what are the new services that we can offer? What are the new sources of revenue? What's the right membership structure for us going forward? What are the things that our members are going to ask us to do and expect us to do as we change? Earlier, I forget who said it, but virtual or digital, it's here to stay. You know, I don't know that it'll ever take the place of face-to-face events and the value of that. But I think there's going to be virtual components of many of the things that we do, and we need to focus on delivering the most outstanding virtual experience that our members have grown to expect from our in-person events. So those are things that are really important to us. So I think looking at new revenue sources, looking at new ways to deliver products and services to our members, listening to them, those are all opportunities for us to go forward. And again, fortunately, we have really solid financial base and a solid staff and board support that allow us to take those steps in the next couple of years. I think going forward, what we've gone through in the past year is going to allow us to be even bolder in some of those decisions as well. I would say that the lesson that I've learned over the past year, I wish I'd known it the past 20 years, is we are actually capable of a lot more change than we thought. We would have never thought our industry would have responded as well as it did within this pandemic. Certainly, companies have struggled and business was down, but how we did business and how we adapted to a virtual structure and how we remanaged inventories and getting products into customers' hands has completely changed over the last year. And I think if we had that confidence on some of the other decisions we probably should have been making over the past decades, I think our industry would be even further ahead. So I think our industry will take this new confidence about our ability to change and really make some bold changes that we may be a little bit late to the game on. In terms of the transition, I think Bob captured it. It's been pretty seamless. Bob and I are stewards of somebody else's business. It wasn't like, you know, I'm Elon Musk, you know, Steve Jobs, and who's going to take the business someplace else when the replacement comes in? We're stewards of somebody else's business. So it's about efficiency. 
and confidence and seamlessness. And I've been really impressed with Bob and the board and the staff have done over the last month and a half during that transition because it truly has been seamless. And I think that that gives the board more confidence to be bolder in its decision making. Yeah, it's so interesting you say that too, just because I think everyone is very tired of change while seeing the good that it has done. It is one of those things of that change has happened. We're all really good at adapting right now. Right. <laughs> and my biggest hope is that we don't go back to the way things were just because that was comfortable, that we take what's working now and stick with it. The value is going to be in the postmortem. When we sit back and we look at this and say, okay, where did we do well and where did we fail and where do we have some collateral damages? I think that's going to be as important as what we're doing on a day-to-day basis now. I've said this over the past years that this is not our industry's first pandemic. This is not our industry's first recession and first you know, challenges that we've had. But the differentiator in this one is the role that technology has played in it in helping us move things forward. I mean, I don't know what we would have done without the ability to have the virtual meetings that we would have had. How will we take those technological changes and advances that we've brought into our industry finally and use them to help move forward? Yeah, it's interesting to see who's grasped onto that and who's still struggling with that too, because that's one of those things is that not everyone's on the same playing field. So this kind of goes into what opportunities do you see for this industry? It's hard to say like, what's going to happen after COVID while we're still in the thick of COVID, but what opportunities do you see for the industry and everything else and for the association? What's our next steps? Like, Bob, what's in your 60 and 90 day plan? The 60 and 90 day plan is, is well in progress. And it was putting together a calendar, getting comfortable with the staff and getting them comfortable with me and really without Paul, which is the big deal. So that's well underway. It's looking out 24 months. That's the real issue. And it's one of the things that Paul has got us set up to do. Before the pandemic hit, PPAI's planning horizon was essentially 12 months out. And we put together a budget. We managed that budget. We always exceeded the budget. But it was really very focused on a 12-month plan. When the pandemic hit and we knew that the expo in 2021 was going to be at risk, we started looking out two to three years. And I'm talking about like tactical things, not strategic planning. We've always done strategic planning three to five years in advance, but tactically, we were always working on a 12-month plan. And now we're looking out 24 months or more as far as financial stability, what are the things that we're doing? We have not specifically identified and ready to announce new programs and stuff. We're still looking at not survival, but getting through this with being able to keep our members, continue to provide value for our members, continue to give them the program and services that they need. So going out, I'm excited that this year is a strategic planning year for the association. Our board is going to get together with a consultant and we're going to sit down and do a deep dive into our strategic planning process towards the end of the year. All that will be happening during the year and then a final plan will be developed at the end of the year. So I think that gives us a great opportunity to look at things differently. And I think the environment is right for that. We're not continuing to have an upward climb in revenue and membership and everything. So we're going to look at it 
from a different perspective. So what those programs are going to be that we're going to offer going forward, what our membership is going to look like when we move forward, it's yet to be seen. It'd be premature for me to be able to announce that. So my goal over this period of time is to make sure that the association is as stable as it can be. It's got the proper financial support. We're taking advantage of all of our assets, including our staff, and putting us in a position that when we go into our strategic planning process, we're prepared to move forward and take those bold steps that Paul has been challenging us to do now is the confidence to make those changes and to show that the resiliency that not only does our industry have, but the association has. So I know that didn't give you a specific answer, but I think I'm really optimistic about the things that we will be able to come up with and the things we will be announcing in the next 12 months. Bob, to the association's credit, even through this transition and through the pandemic, we're in the middle of a task force right now where there's 15 very bright people meeting fairly regularly to talk about, you know, what is a distributor today compared to what it was in 2008 or 2012 when we did a review of our membership last? And what does a supplier do? And what does a business services do? And how does the industry address and incorporate companies that might have been a buying group and then became a distributor or a technology company that then becomes a distributor or a networking organization that then becomes a force like a promo kitchen? I mean, how do we throw a big tent over the things that are happening within the industry that make the association stronger and the industry stronger? Kate, you started out by talking about PPAI being a supporter of Promo Kitchen, and we are. But 10 years ago, I don't know that we might have been because we were a little bit more exclusive. You know, when we really didn't embrace other organizations. It was a strategic decision to say that, you know what, we're going to have a big tent mentality and we want to take all of these groups that are serving needs in the industry and bring them in under that umbrella. I think that's the type of conversation we're having right now. What factors are going to be at play post-pandemic and how can the association be best positioned to embrace them and serve them? Well, I can say Promo Kitchen is (laughs) so appreciative of your support and you guys have been wonderful to us. And I look forward to seeing what we can do together in the next few years as well, because it's been really nice to have you guys. Yeah. So you guys have worked together for a long time. And so this transition, I'm sure, has been extremely smooth. And I know Bob has been interim president for quite some weeks now. I'm sure it's going to be strange to not work with each other as time moves forward. Is there anything you guys want us to know about one another or even maybe airing of grievances. Let's get some dirt here. But more importantly, what's the perspective of each other that maybe we don't know? Maybe the industry members don't know. I'm going to start with that one, Bob. All right, you go right ahead. So my predecessor, who you guys may know, Steve Slagle, he was a generalist, pretty similar to the way that I am. We can do all things pretty well, not, you know, kind of expert on anything. We were good business generalists. And what we did was, let me reposition this a little bit. There's nothing that Bob was doing over the last 10 or 11, 13 years, actually, that we've been working together that I can't do. And there's nothing that I've been doing over the last 13 years that Bob can't do. I think we're all pretty good businessmen. What we did successfully was 
did what we do best. Even when I got the role as CEO, we didn't say, okay, Bob, this means I do these five things and you do something else. It was, okay, what do you want to do? What are you passionate about? What do you want to work on? Bob had never really been involved in the trade shows and the meetings and the membership part of the business. He was more on the finance side. So what we did successfully, I think, is backfill each other. I want to work on these three or four things. You want to work on these things here. And then when we brought the third VP in six years ago, we kind of recarved it up again. So I don't know that my absence is going to create some lacking that Bob's going to have to fill. He'll just backfill some of those things. So my hope is that that's the way that they continue to move forward, that Bob can get out there and do anything that he puts his mind to and anything the organization needs. And you just backfill it with people on the things that he might not be wanting to do moving forward. Bob, what do you think? Yeah. So Paul, that's flattering to say that. And I would agree. I think we've done a good job and divvying up the responsibilities within the organization at an executive level. And you've been more than fair with giving me opportunities to try different things. I do think though, that especially in the couple of years where it was just you and I, Paul running the organization, you know, we really complemented each other extremely yeah. well. Paul is definitely more innovative than I am. I would admit that. You know, he thinks of things in a different perspective than I do and just a little bit more creative, a little bit more innovative. And I'm a little more thoughtful, a little more needing to step back and think about things. You know, we played off each other really well that way. You know, he would come up with some harebrained ideas that was way off the wall. And I'd be able to sit back and go, well, you know, we really can't do that. And ultimately, we'd kind of meet in the middle, probably a little closer towards Paul's side. But it would be way better than either one of us would have done without that. And I think, you know, bringing Alan in now to that relationship is going to help, certainly help the three of us, because then there was three people working it. Alan and I are developing that relationship as we move forward. And we're going to miss Paul. We're going to miss his creative ways of thinking. But we've got staff here, particularly in our director level, that's extremely creative and extremely innovative. And I'll step back and let them do that. And so I'll have a different role at the top of the organization, but we're still going to have, we still have that skill set within the organization. So I'll miss it. I'll miss Paul's, you know, crazy ideas and his creative ideas and, and all that. But I'll look for ways to find that elsewhere within the organization. And it exists. So, you know, I'm going to miss Paul a lot, but this organization, I believe, will continue to move forward and thrive. This is nice and maybe too nice. Kate, I'm wondering if we have like a little exit interview, if we're going to be so polite with one another. Oh, no. When we reach that point, it's we're all about the airing of grievances. Exactly. And I love your answers that there's nothing you can't do that Bob can't do and vice versa. It was making me think about the way that Kate and I work together as chair and co-chair, and how we balance each other out. It's nice to have that balance, right? I mean, it's good that you're different, not the same. Yeah. Yeah. I think what helps with us too, though, is that when the going gets tough, you become more of what you are. So whenever we did have challenges, it wasn't like we were stepping on each other to fix it. Bob became more of an internal CPA, CFO type guy. And I immediately left the office and met with members. <laughs> so, and I think that worked out well for both of us because yep. I, I was like, man, this sucks. I got to get the hell out of here. And I'd get on the plane and go, you know, I'd go to Canada 
and, and Bob would run the business. So we weren't stepping on each other's toes when, you know, we had those challenges either. You know, you become more of who you are when times are trying. I truly do not have a pet peeve about Bob. I really can't think of one. And I, and I got to tell you, on Friday when we did our staff thing, Bob tried to find something to kind of make fun of me, and it was my driving. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. <laughs> That's the worst that somebody says about me. Is like he's a horrible driver, which I am. Yeah, I'm not good at it, and I don't enjoy it. I'm okay with that. That's a pretty good relationship when that's the worst thing you can come up with. Yeah. So the warning that I'll give out is just wherever Paul ends up, whatever industry, wherever he ends up, I need to reach out to them and say, when you ever travel with Paul, do not let him rent the car. You drive. <laughs> let him sit in the back and play with his iPod and listen to tunes, but don't let him drive because he will drive and still play with his iPod and listen to tunes. So. <laughs> Yeah. You might need to put that on his LinkedIn just so people exactly. <laughs> yeah. Recommendation. Multitasking. Yeah. <laughs> you could multitask anytime except for when you're driving a car 70 miles an hour on the highway. <laughs> okay. So, Kate and Johanna, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. How Kirby are you? <laughs> yeah. What do you want the association, your association, to be moving forward? Like I said, we're stewards of this organization. And our job is to move it forward, but as a reflection of what our members want from us and what our industry expects from us, what are the two or three things that you guys might want to see the association become or reflect as Bob moves it forward? One of the things about this industry that I've seen, especially in the past five years, is how diverse it's become in thought, in sort of that what used to be was the end user talks to the distributor, talks to the supplier and back to that it's just kind of changed that distributors are agencies and suppliers do more than just promo like they do retail. But I do feel there are still a lot of people out there who feel that the internet shouldn't exist. And that's the problem (laughs) why end users can find suppliers. And unfortunately, sometimes they're the loudest voices. And so I think one of the things that as an industry, we should always be conscious of is the voices that aren't bothering to talk, right? who are the ones making the biggest change. And they're the ones who will either move away from the industry or the association and could have the biggest, most significant impact and yet don't just because they see something that's stuck in the mud because the voices that don't want change are the loudest ones. Well, I hope that you know, to kind of go full circle on this is that we do recognize as an industry that we're capable of more change than we've probably implemented and that there is room for a lot of different models and a lot of different ways to be in this industry. Johanna, what about you? Anything you'd like to see move to the top of the list? Yeah. So I think you guys have done a great job around DEI. The playbook last year was really well put together ahead of a lot of world events that you couldn't have imagined. And I know now there's the DEI task force, which has been great to see grow. I hope that members can see the resources you're offering. And so how can we get more information from members and get them involved? You know, Promo Connect is wonderful. It has so many resources. How can we get industry members to get more involved and to raise their hand and to read publications and to engage? 
you know, social is so great for so many reasons, but, you know, use social to stay social and get social. How can we right. encourage members to use all your resources? Because I know I'm involved in some of them and I'm learning every day. Joanna, I'd like to address that. So I think that's important. And I probably should have brought that up earlier. In, in the April PPB, I have a perspectives column where I talk about what is our purpose. As an association, you know, our purpose has been to grow and protect the industry and to be the trusted leader in promotional products and all that. But I think we have a greater purpose. And this is something that's changing as the world has changed. We need to focus on more than just our industry internally, but also look at the stakeholders and how we impact our societies, our communities. We've started with the DEI initiative and our task force. We've always been really good at our product safety initiatives, but addressing things like sustainability and fair trade and our governance models and environmental, social, all those things are important. And I kind of touch on that in this perspectives column. Our industry can bring so much to the marketplace and is so effective in communicating these things. It's what we do really well in the promotional products industry. And I think it's time for our industry to step up a little bit more and take a little more aggressive position in corporate governance and social responsibility. And organizations like Promo Kitchen and Promo Cares are leading that in this industry. And I think PPAI should also be stepping up to that. And that's just something that I personally feel strongly about. And I hope that as an industry, we can embrace that a little bit more. The world's changing, and I'd like us to change with it. Agreed. Well, thanks for asking us a couple questions. I love that. We don't get that a lot. We covered a lot today. Is there anything you both want to add before we end this? I personally want to thank you for the support that you've given the association, both personally and as an organization. And as I shared with the team, on Friday when we did our kind of little farewell meeting is I think any success that I might have had is because I felt very empowered by the 40 or at the time 80 people who were behind me who always supported what we were doing, always assumed good intent, always had my back. And it's really amazing the amount that you can get done when you have people working beside you and behind you and empowering you to do something. And I would hope that Promo Kitchen and all the organizations in our industry support whatever decisions the association moves forward with and what the leadership is going to look like, give him that same empowerment, give him or her that same encouragement and benefit of the doubt that really allows us to make, I think, and drive some of the bold changes that I think we need moving forward. So appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, I would agree with Paul 100%. I think that we've learned that we need to reach out to all sorts of different groups and Promo Kitchen has been a great group for us to pick up some of the things that we didn't do well. The association hasn't been as good as we could be in mentoring and you guys have really taken up that banner. And so we appreciate that. We appreciate the opportunity to get in front of your audience and the support that you continue to give to PPAI. So I look forward to many more years of that support from your organizations and organizations like that. So thank you guys for having me on this call and having Paul and I. I think it's, it's been great. This may be the final time we all get together and talk about each other. So thank you guys for putting this together. <laughs> yeah, I think on the last podcast that we did with Paul, there was a lot of tears shed. Hopefully this one brought more laughter. Yeah. <laughs> so Paul, you're sure no airing of grievances, like say one board member, like maybe his name <laughs> sounds like 
Schmanny means Rosen or I don't know. <laughs> I have been blessed with really, really incredible board members and especially the board chairs, each of them so different from one to the next, but they all taught me something and brought something to the table. Again, it's not a one-person operation. You're just not going to get the grievances yep. out of me. <laughs> you have nothing on Larry Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> this is not an industry where people do that. We all love each other in this industry, right? <laughs> yeah. That, you know, if there's one thing I would wish that I could change, and it's not me to change it, it's everybody just needs to stop the whining on social media and get out there and do what it is you need to do to make it better because it just becomes this vicious cycle. And I've talked about this in some of these webinars and podcasts. It's just, I get frustrated when I watch that downward spiral of attacking on social media. I don't know if absence can be noted, but I have not been on social media in six weeks. I'm pretty much off Facebook, off Instagram, off Twitter, just to kind of give my brain that rest and the time that has become available to me because I'm no longer on it. And I don't know that I'll ever get back on there in the same way that I was before. It had just gotten to be such a negative place. So just kind of keep it positive and empower each other. That would be my only, I don't even want to say complaint. It's not even a complaint. It's my observation. It's a good one. Yeah. Don't criticize unless you're willing to make some changes and there you go. You know, be part of the change. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you both so much for this. And good luck, Paul, and good luck, Bob. And I'm sure everything is in good hands. And we look forward to seeing what happens over the next few months. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. You can also show your support by donating to our cause at promokitchen.org donate. We would sincerely appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you.